in Daniel chapter 9. You have to bear with me. The first part of this is math. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, not all guys like math. We're going to look at the time frame of the tribulation period. And we, of course, titled this the seven-year tribulation period because the tribulation period will consist of a seven-year increment of time. I think it's pretty clear, pretty laid out. We'll look at it as we go. Well, I say pretty clear. <laughs> Math here in just a minute. Um, you have to pardon me while I stick heavily to the notes <clears throat> in this first part. It will begin immediately after the rapture of the saints, which we've discussed at great length, and will conclude when Christ comes back to, with his saints in the second advent for the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ upon the earth. The tribulation period is usually called Daniel's 70th week because it is the last time frame of the 77s of years recorded in Daniel chapter 9 here. Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, Unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times, and after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the Prince shall come, that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations, are determined, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice of the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Got all that? <laughs> Several things may be gleaned this passage of scripture in relation to the time frame of the tribulation period. Uh, you ready? Buckle your seatbelts. I should have told you to have a lot of coffee this morning. It's not, it's interesting, but it's not, wow. The first, the 70 weeks of years or 490 years, we kind of dealt with this a little bit uh, a few months ago. Uh, but the 70 weeks of years, or, or 490 years, deals specifically with the nation of Israel, Daniel's people whose capital is Jerusalem. If I'd asked that question, who would have gotten that right? Everybody. Uh, of course, Jerusalem, the holy city. The prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks must be understood in relation to God's purpose concerning his chosen nation of Israel. And I, I stress that point. A lot because there are some folks, even some Baptists, who believe God's 
done with Israel. And that's just not scriptural at all. From Daniel 9 and verse 26, we know that the prophecy of the, the weeks of the prophecy must be interpreted as years. After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. The people of the prince shall come, that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. Unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Jesus did not come as Messiah to be cut off for the sins of his people 483 days after the decree of Artaxerxes in 445 B.C., but rather 483 years after the commandment. So we need to understand that this means the years. Um, the Hebrews often used the term week to represent seven years. So we need to understand that. The first example here, or for example, is Genesis 29. And we're going to see in verses 27 through 30, Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. Get it? Let's finish reading. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week which means years, of course. And he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also, and Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Billah, his handmaid to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. So now we understand what we're reading here. In the original Hebrew, the word for 70 weeks is shivam, meaning 70 sevens without expressing days, weeks, or years. The actual duration of the shibam is determined, of course, by context and how you're using it. The biblical calendar consists of 360 days or 12 months of 30 days. You can calculate this by examining, well, I don't think we'll take the time to read because First one's kind of lengthy, but Genesis 7, verses 11 through 24, and then Genesis 8, verses 3 and 4. If you want to read that, that's your homework. You can go ahead and read that on your own time. Uh, in the account of the flood, we find that the five months from the 17th day of the second month until the 17th day of the seventh month are reckoned as 150 days, or 30 days to a month, which equals 360 days to a year. Math. You got that? The first seven weeks of years is calculated from the time, as we kind of already mentioned here. I'm going to try to go through this quickly. Artaxerxes gave the command to rebuild Jerusalem in 445 B.C. This took exactly 49 years, just as Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25 states. From the time that Jerusalem was rebuilt until the time that Jesus was crucified was 62 weeks of years, or 434 years. No one's writing this down. When you add 49 plus 434, you come up with 483 years as the time period between the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the time when Jesus came to pay the sin debt. 
in Galatians chapter 4. verses 4 and 5 we see but when the fullness of time was come what's the fullness of time 483 years we just did the math we just did the, the calculations here god sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons so we see that christ came and that debt was paid 483 days after our xerxes had commanded there and uh, when was it? I lost my time. 445 BC. 483 years. Uh, Sir Robert Anderson, in his book entitled The Coming Prince, wrote, quote, an era, therefore, of 69 weeks or 483 prophetic years reckoned from the 14th March BC 445 BC should close with some event to satisfy the words unto the Messiah the Prince the Julian date of the 10th Nisan was Sunday the 6th of April AD 32 that when was the length of the period intervening between the issuing of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem and the public advent of the Messiah, the Prince, uh, between the 14th March B.C. 445 and the 6th of April A.D. 32. The interval contained exactly to the very day 173,880 days, or 7 times 69 prophetic years of 360 days. The first 69 weeks of Gabriel's prophecy Anderson arrives at these figures by the following method of calculation, and it is very complicated. I could write it on the board. Probably won't take all of that time to do that. But it comes up to uh, 173,880 days and 69 weeks of prophetic years, 360 days. All the math. I can give it to you if you want to look at it. It's just a lot of math. Since the first 483 years of Daniel's prophecy have had a literal fulfillment, then it makes good sense to believe that the last seven years will also have a literal fulfillment. All right? So whatever is laid out for us in the seven-year tribulation period is exactly what we should believe is going to happen. I believe in literal fulfilling, don't you? Uh... I believe that the Messiah actually came. I believe he was born in the flesh. You know, it's interesting when we say, oh yeah, we don't partake in Christmas. They're like, oh, are you Jewish? Well, my last name's Smith. No. I'm a Baptist. Then they really look at you funny. Um, yes, I just don't believe that that their time frame of all of this and all of the pagan things that they associate with us. But yeah, we believe he came. We believe he was born of a virgin. And we believe he lived a sinful or sinless life and fulfilled his calling to die on the cross uh, and save us from our sins. And he rose again. And here's another one because Easter's coming up. Their math is skewed. 
you have Good Friday, but then he raises on Sunday, but the Bible says three days, three nights. You have Friday, Saturday, he raises on Sunday. That's that's only two nights. You got Friday night, Saturday night. So their, their timing's a little off on all of that. And no one ever questions where the Easter Bunny comes from, the God of fertility. No one ever wonders about that. Uh, actually, there was a comedian who talked about just the, the absurdities of, of holidays, and he said, Oh, Easter, the day Jesus rose from the dead, what should we do? And someone said, How about eggs? Where's that in the Bible? Oh, don't worry, there's a bunny. Again, none of it makes any kind of sense, and he was pointing that out. Uh, we, we laugh at that, and it's humorous, but it's also kind of sad at the same time that no one ever connects all of the dots completely. But we believe everything that the Bible lays out happened. And the Lord did come, and he did fulfill that prophecy. And I believe when the Lord comes back in the second advent and terrain, that's going to end the tribulation period, and we'll move on uh, after that. But I believe with that everything that happens in the tribulation period is going to happen literally. It's God's wrath is going to be poured out upon this earth. And I know there's a giant gap between the Old and the New Testament, and that's fine. And there's often gaps in uh, Old Testament prophecy, and that's fine too. In Isaiah chapter 61, and verses 1 and 2, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the person or prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance upon our God, of our God. There it has already been a gap of almost 2,000 years between the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. So there's that's a big gap. Uh, hasn't, it's going to come to pass, though. Uh, he's winking at all of the ignorance of man now. Uh, the devil is doing his thing uh, now and amping everything up uh, for the tribulation period that's, that's going to come. The rapture will take place, of course, before that. But everything now is starting to gear up and set the stage and set the table for the Antichrist. Everybody's so easily fooled now, and they're going to be so much more easily fooled when they're under, under this constant barrage of punishment from God. They're going to be looking to anyone and everyone for relief of all of this horrible judgment that's going to be poured out upon them. And here is going to come this one, and we'll put air quotes around, this one shining light, Antichrist, that says, I'm going to fix everything, and we're going to, and he's going to restore the sacrifice and all of that in, in Jerusalem, and the temple is going to be rebuilt, which they're already trying to raise money for. Interestingly enough, I know I've mentioned that a few times, but it's important to kind of hammer that point home because things are happening now that are setting the stage for what's about to come. Right. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 4. It's interesting to note that when Jesus read this scripture in the synagogue, he did not read the last half of verse 2 because its fulfillment was yet future. 
in Luke chapter 4 here had a moment of brain freeze. I couldn't remember what I was doing. Verses 16 through 21, and, it, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So there he stops, and he doesn't read verse the other part of verse number 2, where it goes on to talk about the day of vengeance, because that has not been fulfilled yet, but it will. But God, the Lord is standing here in the synagogue was saying, this is being fulfilled right now. And then we see in verse 20, and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. Can you imagine the jaws on the floor <laughs> here? Uh, he didn't finish reading. And, he, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say to them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So then, if there wasn't jaws on the floor yet, they were at this particular moment. Uh, they were all certainly staring at him. And again, he didn't read that second part because it hasn't been fulfilled yet it's going to be fulfilled in the future in Hosea chapter 3 is another example of a kind of a lengthy interval of time here in verses 4 and 5 for the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image without an ephod and without a teraphim Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. The contents of verse 4 have already been fulfilled with regards to the nation of Israel. But the contents of verse 5 have not occurred yet. Meaning that the great interval of time exists between the fulfillment of these two verses. So there's always some kind of, a lot of times there's a big giant gap between prophecy and fulfillment of prophecy. And I deal with that every day. So the teaching of the kind of gap or length of time between the 69th and 70th weeks of Daniel's prophecy is further bolstered by the fact that Jesus regarded the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel that is yet future in Matthew chapter 24. Starting in verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, uh, let him understand. Then let uh, them which be in Judea flee unto the mountains, and him which is on the housetop 
not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Even Jesus even identified this period of time as the tribulation period, this one year, or however long we're talking here, uh, this one week, rather, uh, of seven years. Um, this tribulation period, which is precisely what Daniel's 70th week is referring to. So we see that Daniel's 70th week is referring to the tribulation uh, period. Ephesians chapter 3. Now this makes sense to a student of prophecy because the church was a mystery that was not revealed to the Old Testament saints, uh, but it was given to us here in, in the New Testament when the Lord started his church during his earthly ministry. In Ephesians 3, and starting in verse number 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, you imagine, again, who was his chosen nation in the Old Testament? Israel. Who well, were they? They were Jews. Going to the Gentiles? Are you kidding me? They didn't get this at all, but who was Paul an apostle to? The Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby ye read, and ye may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. So they didn't understand. They didn't know. It wasn't revealed to them in the Old Testament, as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. So now they see the church has been established, and that's what we're talking about here. And verse number 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Otherwise, <laughs> where do they fit in? And of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. So we see here uh, that it was not revealed to them in the Old Testament, but it's been revealed, especially uh, to Paul, uh, to go unto the Gentiles. So we have the that mystery that is the church. It was all a foreign concept uh, at this moment, at this time. Israel rejected the ministry and the Messiahship of Christ. The New Testament church was established as the means through which God would be glorified during the church age. And it's still the case. Israel will not be restored and regenerated until the terms of Daniel's 70th week is fulfilled. So, while we are in the church age now, God is not done with the nation of Israel. Well, let's go back to our opening text. I should have kept it. But in Daniel 
chapter 9 and verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most uh, holy. Another way to figure the time frame of the seven-year tribulation period is to examine two passages in the book of Revelation. First one we're going to look at is Revelation chapter 11. The first deals with the length of the ministry of the two witnesses before they are slain by the beast. Revelation 11 verse 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. So one thousand two hundred sixty days equals exactly three and a half prophetic years. The death of the two witnesses coincides with the midpoint of the tribulation period, known as the abomination of desolation, when the Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel. At this point, the Antichrist will reveal his true blasphemous intentions in Revelation 13, verses 4 and 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So when you combine the three-and-a-half-year ministry of the two witnesses and the 42 months after the Antichrist sets up the abomination of desolation in the Jewish temple, you come up with exactly seven years, which is the exact time frame of Daniel's 70th week. Math. Clear as mud? It's hard to wrap our minds around all of it and to connect all the dots and to fully get it. We're limited, I understand. If you will notice that power was given to the Antichrist to continue 42 months, implying that his ministry and reign was already in progress during this particular time. He was revealed right after the rapture, but the fierceness and the cruelty of his unrighteous reign does not go into full force until after the two witnesses are gone, until after the three and a half years of the tribulation period. Then he's going to really unleash. In the, in the first three and a half years, the Antichrist spends time deceiving the masses uh, into thinking uh, he, he is a social, political, and religious messiah. And it's not all that complicated to see people falling for it. If you rewind some 12 years ago when Barack Obama was inaugurated and won the election and all that, they, there were kids being taught in schools to sing and basically hymns about Obama because that's what they sounded like. They sounded like they were singing hymns about Obama. 
And a lot of people thought, is he the Antichrist? Well, no, he's a <laughs> Antichrist. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But he's not the uh, Antichrist that everybody's making reference to. But people almost worshipped that guy. And they're almost worshipping the new guy now. Um, it's getting real close. And wait till, because I don't know how long he's going to be there. I think the vice president will be taking over at some point during these next four years. And wait till she takes over, because then people really, you got the double whammy there. She's African-American and a woman. So they'll really be bowing down to that and eating that up. But you want to know where we are as a country? You know, they're touting, I don't want to get too political, they're touting her like, oh, she's the first female vice president. And then someone said, well, yeah, but I thought that that party didn't like to specify gender. Oh, you're a racist. I'm not kidding. This is taking place. And they're going after people's jobs if you post something like it on Facebook. And they're saying, it's a game, too. They even called it a game. I'm, I'm playing a game and take a screenshot of whatever they posted on social media and then find out where they work and send it to their employer and saying, do you know you're employing racists? I'm not kidding. And then you say, well, this is kind of harsh because you have a different political opinion than somebody. And they say, and then they'll go and look at your... Uh, profile and oh have you ever noticed that all the crazies have bible verses in their profiles that's where we are it's like i've always said everybody's off limits except christians go after them but you can't go after anybody else this is happening now i'm not exaggerating i'm not making it up it's taking place now that's the kind of world we're living in. Christianity? Nope. They're not looking for Christianity. They're looking, they're, they're waiting. I'm telling you, people want a king, don't they? They want to be led. And when this Antichrist comes along, they're going to just eat it up. Just love it. In the last three and a half years after Satan is cast down from heaven and given only a short time to work his devious plan, the Antichrist becomes more cruel and blasphemous. And Daniel chapter 11 and verse 36 describes the reign of the Antichrist from the midway point of the tribulation period. And it says this, And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods. Are you shocked? That's, <laughs> there's a lot of that going on now. And shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. Yet the reign of the Antichrist will be short-lived, because you go to verse 45 of Daniel 11, and it says, Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. So to have everybody uh, fawning over him and being on his side 
And that's not going to count for anything because he's an enemy uh, of God and he's going to be done away with. And none of that's going to be, he's going to come to his end. None of that's going to be able to help him. At the end of the seven-year tribulation, Jesus will come back with his saints and reign and and the reign of the Antichrist and the ministry of the false prophets is going to come to an end. Not just an end. It's going to be a violent end. Turn to Revelation 19. We'll try to finish this very quickly. Verses 19 and 20. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken. And with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him. Uh, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Let's talk about a violent uh, ending here. The end of the seven-year tribulation period will not only signal the end of the reign of the Antichrist, it will also be the time when God pours out his Holy Spirit in miraculous, in a miraculous way upon the elect nation of Israel. Multitudes of Jews will be converted when they see the Messiah coming in power and great glory. That's, see, that's what they have been waiting for. <laughs> it wasn't time for that. This is the time for it. Now they're going to see it. Zechariah 12, verses 9 and 10. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. That's what they were waiting for. That When Jesus rode in on a donkey, that's not what they were expecting. This is what they were expecting. And I will pour upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Notice that. Remember, who was yelling crucify him? The Jews were. And they had a choice. Barabbas or Jesus? Who do you want to let go? And... I remember when my dad was ordained, they asked him who crucified the Lord. And he goes, well, <laughs> depends on what answer you're, you're looking for. There's two answers. From a historical standpoint, the Jews wanted him crucified. But from a spiritual standpoint, I did. Because <laughs> he died for my sins. So, who was yelling crucify him? That's the Jews were. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So uh, we, how we long for that grand and, and glorious day when the glorified saints come back with Christ at the end of the seven-year tribulation period for this millennial reign. We have King Jesus here, Right? And he put an end to the reign of unrighteousness and injustice here. Uh, he is king of kings and lord of lords. The Antichrist was saying things against the God of gods. Too bad, you're still going to lose. He's going to come to his end and the king of kings is going to stand here. And I long to see the elect uh, Israel restored to God's favor. That's why I, to this day, stand with Israel. And I appreciate the last administration's stance with Israel. I think that's going away now, but we had four years of standing with Israel. That's God's nation. He's not done with them yet either. 
And God's favor and possessing of that land was promised during the Abrahamic covenant. And all of these things are going to be fulfilled. And they said, you're going to, he said, you're going to inhabit the promised land. Guess what? Of course, it took a while to get there. They got there. Um, and they've had a rough go of it over the course of history and many uh, invasions and things. But they're going to be restored again. And I fully believe it. Zechariah 14, and we'll close here. We can long to see the earth and all the inhabitants enjoying a Sabbath of rest for a thousand years. It's going to be uh, wonderful. And the Lord shall be king. Zechariah 14, verse 9. The Lord shall be king over all the earth. And that day shall there be one Lord. Not all these other false gods. It's just going to be God. All these other false gods, are they're gone. They're done away with. It's over. It's done. They're, it's toast. He's the one true king. And his name won. So King Jesus exalted above everybody. Doesn't matter who the kings are and who the presidents are and who Congress and the Senate are. There's going to be King Jesus. Amen. And that's the only one that there's going to be, reigning in majesty and in great glory. Can you imagine how wonderful this time is going to be? Everybody's always looking to a man to solve all of the problems. Well, there's only one person that's going to fix everything, and that's the Lord. And in order to fix everything, you got to get rid of all the sin. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to purge everything out. 